So, I'll be honest with you, I'm still wrestling my way through this message. Um, hadn't come to a full grasp of it yet. And uh, this is going to be one of them, I'm going to say probably half of us are not even ready to receive this. So, so if you walk out of here today and go, I didn't get that, well, maybe God didn't have it for you today. But... Um, so we started off a couple of weeks ago, um, last time I preached, and we was looking at Matthew chapter 5, and, and it's what's called the Beatitudes. It's the, the Beatitudes uh, are in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through, through 10. Actually, there's seven of them. The last couple that it mentions there are the outcome of the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. Each one of these uh, are, the best way I can explain it is, if you're a child of God, God's Spirit is working in you, and this will be your attitude. He's, he's, he is conforming you to the image of Christ, okay? Um, and and uh, there's going to be some things in this message that, that are kind of hard to swallow. That's why I, why I say that I still haven't, you know, fully grasped it. I'm trying to choke some of it down uh, in my own life. You know, that, honestly, there's been a lot of things going on in, in my, my life personally in my walk with the Lord and with my wife and her walk with the Lord. And, and uh, you know, this message really started clearing up some things that because I've been asking God and questioning God and, and uh, seeking the Lord about a lot of the, it seemed like I've been through kind of a struggle a lot here lately and, and just dry some, in some areas of my walk with the Lord and, and just kind of trying to battle, battle through that. And you'll go through different seasons in your life and you'll walk with the Lord. Uh, as you walk with him and what God's doing is sometimes you don't understand what God's doing and you just keep holding on, keep walking with the Lord, keep trusting him because God's good and he's got a purpose in your life. And, and I just want to say, you know, and I say it all the time, but American Christianity is a joke. Uh, Christianity is not about you, you know, coming to church and, and really it's not about us at all. You know, one of the things that I see in this, in this passage of scripture is from the time that you trust in Jesus as your Savior. Hopefully that you've done that if you had, and I hope and pray that God opened your eyes to that today. But from the point in time that we trust Christ as our Savior, one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing is trying to take your focus off of you and put your focus on Jesus. That's what faith is. Faith is is taking my eyes and my hope and my trust off of me, what I can become, what I can produce, you know, and it puts it on on Christ, who is my hope, my salvation, my life. Um, Christ, American Christianity kind of makes it to where it's a man-centered gospel, where it's about us and about us having a better life and what we can get out of it. And, and there's a lot of times people come to church, and that's what they're here for. They're here about what they can get and how they can, what they're going to receive. And 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 that's understandable. It's, it's kind of like it's kind of like God gives us an illustration through. Through kids, when when you take a little kid, you know, and you talk to them about what they want to do when they get big or or whatever, they 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 don't talk about going to work and working every day and working three jobs to take care of a family and responsibilities. As just as a new believer, new believers, like I say, are not ready to receive a lot of the meaty things of the word. Okay, but as you grow and as God begins to work in your life, and God has a way of working in your life to bring you to that place to where he matures you as a believer 
and that he's doing. And here's what I want to encourage you. As we look at this scripture this morning, you need to find your place somewhere in this scripture. If you can't find your place somewhere in this text we're fixing to read, then you need to look and go, am I a born-again believer? Am I truly a follower of Jesus? Because nothing in this text relates to me. Okay, and if it does relate to you because the Holy Spirit does this, every believer, every believer, you fit somewhere in this text, and and God has a purpose here. And here's the thing: if you know what God is 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 doing and what He's trying to accomplish in your life, it makes some things that's going on in your life. It makes you, it gives you a better understanding to where you can respond to it correctly. See, what the devil wants to do is he wants to put your eyes on you. He wants to put your eyes on your circumstances. He wants to put your eyes on on the trials and the things that's going about in your life that God has a purpose for. And he wants it to consume you. He wants you to question God, to doubt God, and to make moves apart from the will of God in your life. And that's how so many of us get in big messes in our life because we do not read the situation. We don't look at it with discernment from God's word so that we can respond Correctly, Am I making sense today? All right. Y'all make sense in just a second. Looking at Matthew chapter 5, starting off in verse 3, Jesus is preaching. Uh, he's talking to his disciples. He's preaching what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it says in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, I covered those three in the last message. The poor in spirit is the, is the point in time where we're born again. We recognize that we're spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing to offer God. We put our faith and trust in the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And at that point in time, you become a citizen of heaven, in the kingdom. You're born into God's family. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, that's the repentance that God's working in your life. He's bringing about a change through the Holy Spirit. He's conforming us. We're removing sin. He's changing our our thoughts about sin, our thoughts about him. Uh, he comforts us because his grace always outweighs the weight of our sin. And then in verse 3, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that's talking about power under control. That's where as we surrender every aspect of our life to the authority of God in our life. He's the Lord of our life. Uh, we're trusting in him for the outcome of our life. And so I want to pick up, and I'm actually going to move quick through the next two, and then I want to then we're going to really put the brakes on, on the, on the next one, okay? And so it says this, blessed, and these are progressive. You're going to see this progressive in your life, okay? Because you're going from being born as a baby Christian to being fully mature when you get down in verse, um, um, nine. <clears throat> and so, so you might be in one of those first three right there. Uh, the, the fourth one is in verse six, blessed are those, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, this is the place where God's Spirit begins to put a desire. You should have, if you're a child of God, you should have a desire in your heart for righteousness. Right means I want to do what's pleasing and what's good in the sight of the Lord. I want to walk not according to what I think is right, but I want to know and obey what God says is right. So this is where God's word really takes uh, action in your life and you begin to to grow spiritually in this aspect. I think this is where a majority of people sitting in the church today, a majority of believers, this is where you kind of hung up. 
If you don't look out in life, and if you don't watch it, you'll just get kind of hung up and you'll come to a place of what would, you know, I'd call stalemate because, you know, you don't move forward. Maybe it's because you don't know. Maybe it's because you don't want to put the work in because there is work in your growth, in spiritual growth. There's a work on your aspect of it, okay? And this is the work of God in your life because as a child of God, you want to do What's right with the Lord? If you go, well, I really don't care about that, then you're probably not a child of God. You know, you're a church member. Okay, that's not going to do you any good on the day of judgment. And so, so real quick, let me get through this. The Word of God is what we feed on. We hunger and we thirst. Some of you are starving to death because this is the only time that you're in God's Word. Amen. And so, in that, God puts that hunger and that desire in you, and that's why if you don't spend time in God's Word through the week. That's why when you get to church, you know, just about anybody can say anything. You're like, oh, oh, it's just so good. Just, you know, I just It's kind of like a person starving. You know, cracker's good. You know, if you're starving to death and you get a bite of cracker. But but God, you're not going to grow. And you're not going to see what God wants to do in and through your life. You know, one of the key things I want you to say, if I was to ask the question, you know, if you don't want to show by raising, if I was to say, who here wants to see God? Who here wants to see God? Most everybody would hear it, even if you uh, don't want to. You're going to raise your hand just so you fit in. <laughs> Most everybody here would go, I want to see God. Okay, and, and I've prayed that. Now, I'm going to be careful, honestly, and you'll see in a minute, year forward, how I pray, God, I want, I want to see you. But in this, God's word, you know, God puts a hunger in our heart, and you feed on God's word. And you implement it into, into your daily life, and that's how you're filled with righteousness. Because God's word is right, and it's true, and it's good in every sense. And as you begin to obey God's word, then your life begins to be filled with righteousness. Okay, The word of God is crucial to you being filled with righteousness so that you can continue to grow as a believer. Now, this is just a, this is just a quick throw it out there. You know, very crucial that you start each day or sometime in the day, you know, you say, how do I do that? Because I know a lot of people go, I don't understand. You know, for some reason, seems like when people are saved, they want to just do this whole, well, where do you start in the Bible? And they flip it open to Ezekiel. Totally, radically confused. Or Revelation. Well, I want to know Revelation. Please don't start there. It's like trying to choke a T-bone down a newborn. It's not going to happen. So just let me tell you, just start with a devotional. You know, Max Lucado, he's a great author. He's got some good, easy to understand devotional. There's another one called Our Daily Bread. Great devotional. There's another one that I'm going through right now. It's called Stand Firm. It's just a short little illustration I try to start my day with. And what that does, it plants a seed in my mind. And you don't just stop there. Don't do your little devo and going about your day. That's where you begin to chew on it. And as you go through the day, it's like food. You know, you don't take one little bite and say, you begin to chew on it. You begin to think about those things. You pray about what you read that morning. And then when you get home at night, dig a little deeper. Because what you read is not going to take effect until you swallow it. Until you begin to implement it into your life. You know, a lot of us do the Bible like gum. We put it in, we chew on it a little bit. Ah, it's getting old and we spit it out. doesn't change you. You gotta take God's word and digest it, let it become who you are, pray about it. God, how does this apply to my life? What change do I need to make? How do I need to grow? Talk to somebody else about it. It's a good thing to talk to your, to your spouse. 
And what you are discussing in God's word. And God says when you begin to do these things. And you dig deeper in my word. Then you'll be filled with righteousness. And then you go to the next one. It says blessed are the merciful. And I could preach for a week on that but I won't. Blessed are the merciful. And here's the promise. For they shall obtain mercy. Now before we get to the next one. Very important. That you that you get this one. You know, mercy, this this right here is where the Lord begins to transfer the righteousness that you're filled with into the lives of other people. Mercy deals with how you view and how you relate to other people. And this is what God's Word says, how I view and how I relate to other people is what I'm going to receive. What I'm going to, how God's going to relate to me. So why it's very, you gotta be very careful because here's the thing, righteousness doesn't point a finger. That's called self-righteousness. That's what the Pharisees were. Some people come to church for a while after they're saved. If you're not careful, you become self-righteous. You put some sin out of your life. You start going to church. You start living by your little list of rules. Well, I, I do my devotional and I pray every day. And I go to church every time the doors are open. And even though I used to do all those wicked things that other people do, I don't do it no more. So look at y'all. And you start you start viewing sinners as if you were never one yourself. And you start looking at other people in the sense of a righteousness doesn't judge other people. Righteousness, the righteousness of God brings me to the place... To where mercy takes a work in me. I go, the only reason I am righteous is not because I have my own, but because I have the righteousness of Christ. I was the wicked sinner. I was the one who, you know, and and, and here's the thing. This is what I want to bring you to. You never come to the place where you don't desperately need mercy. You know, this has been a, a week of war for me. And, and, and I, you know, I took a, I took a, I'm going to name Cody. I took Cody to work with me. He's, Cody's never worked with me this week, and he picked the wrong day to go to work with me. And when I tell you I had a week this week, I mean, it, it, I come un, unhinged. No, you know, not just out loud in front of everybody, but between me and the Lord, man, I, I come unhooked this week in the, in the stress and the things that were happening. The devil is coming against me. And, and I went home that day. I was like, God, man, I was such a terrible, I'm so sorry, Cody, such a terrible example uh, and I told him I said every day is not like this this is just one of them days and so you know here's the thing Cody could decide he's going to be self-righteous maybe he was I don't know he didn't know I was going to bring him in on this today maybe he was maybe he won't and maybe he told his mom dad you will not believe the way the preacher acted at work today and I'm like okay give me a little mercy because one day he's going to need mercy one day he's going to have one of those days, one of those weeks. And God says, be merciful because one day you're going to need mercy. Blessed are the merciful. And mercy, here's the thing, here's what mercy is. Mercy is forgiving out of forgiven. It means I've been forgiven. God, show me mercy. I need to show mercy to everybody else. It's offering hope of the gospel. It's not pointing a finger but lending a hand. It's not looking to receive, but living to give. You know, mercy is not overlooking evil, or is it standing in the place of judgment. Mercy is humbly and lovingly offering truth and forgiveness of Jesus that he died for, so that we could have that mercy. 
And I think there's a whole lot of room in God's people and in the church so that we show mercy. You know, mercy is the messiness of ministry. Mercy is the place where we where we recognize that, that what God's given us, He wants us to show to everybody else around us. Mercy is what takes your eyes off of you and it starts putting them on everybody else. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to move through, through those two because this is where I really want to settle in. When you get to this place, and I think mercy, mercy is really connected to this, okay? That's why I say it's very important that you, that you practice showing mercy to people. Because when God brings you to the next level, and I believe this next one where it said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall. And everybody here said, I want to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you don't grasp mercy prior to this, you are going to be in trouble when God brings you to this. And understand, I believe when you come to the place where it said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Seeing God is not a light thing. Now I realize we see the glory of God. You know, I see God every day. I, I, I see I see the glory of God every day in my life. But I'm talking about something a little different. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about having a vision and seeing God like Isaiah saw God. But there's a difference when when God, what God wants to do is bring you to a place in your life where you go, like Jeremy said, I, I, I see God. I see what God's doing. I see where God's working. I see God's point in my life. I see what God's doing in my life. And I'm gonna I'm gonna join what God's doing because I wanna I wanna be a part of that. You know, it's kinda like the, the disciples, they started off when they started walking with Jesus, they didn't understand who Jesus was. They thought he was a good teacher, maybe a prophet, you know, they had some different thoughts. They didn't at the first of the three year period realize they were walking in the presence of God. Later they saw him and recognized. You remember, especially after the resurrection, it was Thomas who said, unless I see him, I will not believe. Jesus appears to Thomas and he said, thrust your hand into my side and feel the wound. Look at the nail prints and do not, do not have unbelief. And what was Thomas's response? He bowed and said, my Savior and my God. He saw. It came to the place like, I see who you are now. And here's the thing about seeing God. You know, this is a whole different level. This is honestly a level I think most of the church never even reaches, if you want to know the truth. This is the place where, where when you see God, and only God's Spirit is going to carry you to this place. Most people, and you'll see what I'm saying in just a second, when you see what goes along with that request, God, I want to see you, there's some things that go with that request that most people are not willing to go, all right, I'm, I'm willing to do that. You know, we got this idea that God's just like, oh, everything's about you and I want to do everything for you. And if you'll just, you know, if you'll just, he's the begging God. Jesus didn't do that. And I, people came along and was like, Lord, I'm ready to leave all and follow you. And Jesus said, oh, really? Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. Son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. You better think about what you're asking for. Every time somebody came to Jesus with this great, oh God, I'm going to do you a favor and I'm going to follow you. He's like, you better consider the cost because you're going to pay a price if you're going to see me. Think about this. The 11 disciples and later Paul becoming the 12th because Judas hung himself. He didn't see him. 
But every one of them, apart from John, they saw Jesus after the resurrection. A lot lot of other witnesses did too. And I've always thought, man, how awesome would that be to actually see Jesus raised from the dead? I mean, how much greater, let's be honest, would your faith be? How much more would you be willing to sacrifice and to give and to serve and to do and to speak? How much more boldness and courage would you have? How would it change your view in life if you actually witnessed physically Jesus and you were like Thomas, you like touched the nail prints in his hand. And like, Lord, you know, and I've even used that to reason with God. Going, God, obviously it was way easier for them. They saw you. But do you, do you know the price that they paid for seeing that? See, because every one of them died a horrific death. And John ended his life, you know, in prison. And, and, and then later Paul was in prison and all the things he went through. So, so there is a cost when you start saying, God, I want to see you. And that's why I say, well, you, because all of a sudden now people who raise their hand will go like, well, maybe I want to withdraw that hand raise. You know, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, Lord, am I, am I willing to go to the place in my life to where I see you? You know, when you look at this, this is what got me started on this. I believe God determines when we're ready for that because there's only two things that purify a heart. When I looked at this, the wording here in the original language, blessed are the pure in heart. That word pure means there's two ways that purifies the heart in this. It is trial by fire. means going through the fire, purifying through heat, intense heat. Or the other way was, um, my mind just went totally blank, pruning. Pruning. You remember in John chapter 15, Jesus said, I'm, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and he talks about removing, pruning. Either one of these ways are not like, oh yeah, the preacher preached a message, and, and man, I felt guilty, so I put that out of my life. I believe all of us, when you when, when you come to the place of trusting Jesus as your Savior, there are things in our life that God's Spirit begins to convince us that we need to put out of our life. And we repent of it, and we put that sin out of our life. And, and here's what happens. Most of us like, you know, hey, man, I quit doing this, quit doing that, started doing this, started doing that. All right, I see a change. And then you kind of come to the place like, is it all there is to it? When you come to that place right there, you're like, really want to follow Jesus. And I feel like I don't have anything else, you know, in my life that's going on. Get, get ready. Because here's the truth. If we want to be truthful, all of us have something that's really deep rooted in us. That, that number one either has a hold on us. The Bible calls it a stronghold. It might not be sin. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's being self-willed, independent. Areas where I go, I really don't want to trust you, God, even though I say I do, but I really don't. Those are the areas that that once we come to, you know, it's not the ones where you go, oh, I put this out of my life. It's like, oh, I'm going to. I'm just going to kind of bury that up. Past hurts, wrong belief, thoughts, you know, that we have. You know, I know what the Bible says, but this is just what I feel about myself. And this is what I think about that. Those are the things that, that basically quench God's spirit in your life and keep you from experiencing and becoming what God desires to do through you. And I'll explain it. I'll illustrate this. Just let me get this across, okay? 
But here's the point. There are some people who will come to this place in their walk with the Lord, in their desire to honor God in their life, believers. And when God begins to touch those areas in your life, He begins to turn the light on in the place where you thought you had it all hid away and you don't want to deal with that and you don't want to let it go and you don't want to go through what it's going to take to remove that from your life. A lot of those people turn away and they're like, I'm not going to go any further. Remember in John chapter 6 when Jesus taught the hard teaching. John chapter 6 and at that point in time he had a lot of disciples following him. And after he taught that, you know, he was dealing with some touchy things. You know, it's like they it said there were many of them who could not follow him anymore. Like, man, we, we just can't go there. We're not willing to do what it's going to take. And they walked away and he looked at the 12 and he said, what about you? You know, Jesus didn't pull no punch. He was like, oh, please don't go. Stay. We'll make it comfortable for you. We'll put air conditioning and soft pews and, and good, easy, shallow feeling messages for you. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. You know, I'll, I'll give him. 30 minutes, 45 minutes. We'll even, we'll even sit there if he goes 50 minutes, but anything past 50, it's over. Amen. You know, that's kind of where we're at. And, and, and the disciples, here's the thing. The disciples said, to where will we go? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. So think about this. What is it? You know, because here's the thing. When you talk about fire and pruning that cleanses us, Those are some actions that God has to take. We won't willingly, most people won't willingly walk through that. This is the time where God's like, I'm going to carry you through this. For illustration purposes, you remember back, Peter, when he came to the end of the three years of following Jesus, right prior to where Jesus was crucified, Peter was one of them that thought, man, I'm here. I've got it all together. He had a whole lot of self-trust. Self is our biggest enemy when it comes to our walk with the Lord. He trusted in himself. He was confident in himself. And the Lord said, you know what? I'm going to the cross. And, and, and after that, Peter said, you know, later Peter said, Lord, I'm willing to be arrested even to die for you. And the Lord was like, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me. You'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter was like, no way. You see, the Lord knew Peter's heart. Peter just didn't know it. There's things in us. That God puts us in a position or he allows us. And you know what he said? He's, this is what he said. Now, I'm jumping around, but stay with me. I'm working my way through this. When he was talking to Peter about that, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you, to crush you like wheat. And the Lord was going to allow it. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith does not fail. And when you turn back, when you are converted... Strengthen the brethren. And so in that, God allowed this crushing. Why? Because there was something in Peter. It was a self-confidence, a pride in which he would cling to his identity, his ability, in which would totally shut down what God would want to do in him and through him. And so the Lord allowed this crushing to take place because that's what caused Peter to see who he really was. Think about this. <clears throat> Afterwards, in John 21, now at this point, think about it. Peter, say, what happened to Peter? Peter preached the gospel all those years, pastored a church, 
And then he was crucified upside down for the sake of the gospel. Now, you think if Jesus would have come to Peter and said, look, Peter, here's what I'm going to do. You're going to carry the gospel. I'm going to be raised from the dead. You're going to carry the gospel. You go out and preach. You're going to write, you know, two books and or maybe three books in, in, in my words. It's going to impact millions of people. And then you're going to come to the end of life and they're going to crucify you upside down. You think Peter would have been like, all right, let's go get it. No, no. And so Jesus comes to him afterward. He restores him once he's resurrected, John 21. And he said something there that I want you to get. In John 21, verse 8, Jesus said, when you were young, he's talking to Peter, he said, when you're young, you gird up yourself, you dress yourself, and you go where you would. But when you are old, when you mature in your faith, when you come to the place to understand that this ain't about you, this is not about your life, it's not about your comforts, it's not about your dreams, it's not about your glory, this is about me and my purpose. When you come to the place you're old, you will stretch out your arms and I will gird you up and I will carry you where you would not. So as you mature as a a follower of Jesus, there's some things God's going to involve your life in that you're not going to be excited about. He's going to, he's like, this is not where you would normally go. This is not going to be a a prayer. I've never had, had anybody in here. When you go, I'm taking up prayer requests. What you pray? Just pray that I can go through some suffering for Jesus. Pray that I'll sacrifice for Jesus. That I'll totally lose my job, so that I can carry the gospel. I've never heard that. Lord, I I, I just pray pray that God would just crush my flesh, so that my spirit will glorify Jesus. We don't pray things like that, but those are the things God uses to accomplish His His purpose in our life. And so the Lord's like, I'm going to carry you through this. When you talk about seeing God, stay with me, I'm almost done. When you talk about seeing God, every man and woman in the Bible that you read about, not only in the Bible, but people in life who have seen God in a way that I'm talking about, their life was forever changed. Radically altered everything in their life. Think about Moses. You know, Moses saw God at the burning bush. He saw God's glory on the mountain. And there's a lot of times like, man, I would love to have a burning bush experience. How did that happen? Forty years in the desert. Forty years. God pulled him out of a, living like a king and put him out watching goats on the backside of a desert. And after 40 years, he saw God and it radically transformed his life. You know, think about Paul. Like, wow, must have been awesome. Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. It stripped him of everything that he had worked for his entire life. He lost everything. He's, remember what Jesus said? He didn't say, hey, I've got a plan for Paul. It's going to be glorious. He's going to stand on a stage and lights, you know, after a rock show and all, everybody's going to cheer for him. He didn't say that. He actually told Ananias, he will suffer many things for my name's sake. That's not American Christianity. Think about the ones who saw, think about, like I said, with, with David. Uh, David saw the Lord. Yeah. And he lived in a cave like a slave for years, hiding from the one who was persecuting him. And then you think about Job. At the book of Job, I've been reading through the book of Job. I probably need to quit that. That's why I was, honestly, that's why I was hesitant to preach this message, if you want the truth. But it seemed like sometimes when I preach stuff, it happens. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. That's where I started saying, God, have mercy on me. But, but, but here's the thing. Think about Job. When you get to the end of the book of Job, 
One of the most awesome things is Job saw the Lord and he said, I have heard of you, but now I have seen you and I abhor, I hate myself and I repent in sackcloth and ashes. And it said, and God blessed Job in the latter part of his life far more than he did in the early part. You're like, wow, that must be amazing. Rewind 40 chapters. Job lost his family. He lost everything that he was and had belongings, his possession. He lost his health. Now some of us are like, oh, I'm not so sure if I want to see God or not. Amen. You start thinking about those things. Because here's the truth. And I'm gonna, there's, a, there's a good part of this, okay? And, and let, me, let me give you this, and I'm almost done. Remember Abraham? Abraham, how he, the Lord appeared to him, Abraham... You know, he talked to God. Maybe, maybe, I don't think I'm the only one here, but I'm like, surely there's people here with a hunger and desire to go, I want to see God. And I'll say it after preaching this, I want to see God. And I want God to use me. What's the point of this stinking life if you're not walking with Jesus? Will you answer that question? What is the point of this life if we're not living for the glory of God? So that you can have some toys, so that you can have some money, a 401k, and all that crap that's going to burn up. It has no eternal purpose, no meaning whatsoever, and it's no different from, from the wicked who live like that. So what's the point of living for all that junk? You know, that's where I'm at. I'm not saying this for you, but that's where I'm at to go, God, when God's like, are you willing? What are you willing to go through to see me? I'm like, Lord, I don't know. I'm asking for mercy. But I ain't backing off of the fact I want to see you. And so in that, when you get to the end of, of your maturity, so what is, what, how do I know that I'm a place where I'm a mature disciple? Is it because I'm teaching? Is it because I'm a deacon? Is it because, you know, I'm, I'm tithing? There's three things that maturity of a disciple offers. Remember what Jesus said, if any man wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Write this down if you got a pen. Three things that mature Christianity offers. Suffering, sacrifice, and self-denial. Now, you're not going to hear that in Houston. But this is what Jesus taught. He's like, oh, y'all say y'all want to follow me? You want to go where I'm going? You remember how James and John's mama came to him and was like, hey, we, would you let him one sit on your right hand and on the other? And the Lord said, you don't, you don't know what you're asking. Are you, are you able to be baptized of the baptism I'm going to be baptized with you? Are you able to go through what I'm fixing to go through to save your soul? And they said, they didn't understand. They said, oh, we're able. And he said, oh, you're, you're going to get a taste of it. And this is where I'm at. You go, what would cause you to, what would cause anybody? I mean, look in a third world country and you can answer this question. In America, you can't. So you're telling me if I follow Jesus, then my life's not going to just get better and better and I'm going to get richer and richer and healthier and healthier and everything's just going to be wonderful and everybody's going to want to be like me? Jesus said, you're going to deny yourself. Die to yourself. If you want to follow me, You're going to suffer. You're going to sacrifice. If you want to see me in this world, this is what it's going to take. So who in the world would want that? 
Not most people. But here's the thing. God will put you in a place to where he melts away all that stuff that you think is so great. And all of the things that's hindering that from happening in your life. You know, I'll just say this. God put some fire on me this week. And he brought some stuff up from inside of me that I thought was far gone. And it's not far gone. He puts you in situations. And he purges you. And he clips away the things. And he's like, you want to see? Because here's my prayer. And I'm finished with this, okay? Here's my prayer. God, I actually got jealous of the boys this week. They had a door of opportunity open for them. No money involved for y'all folks who think they're making money, okay? It was an opportunity where the gospel was going to go out, actually, possibly to millions of people. Inmates, okay? And, the, and the, I was riding with Jeremy. He's like, Dad, you're not going to believe this. This opportunity opened up. And I was sitting there thinking, God, why is he seeing you? I raised him, you know? Why is it they're seeing it? And then other people call like, well, we saw God this. And I looked at my wife and I said, when's the last time we saw God? When's the last time that we saw God in that way? To where you're like, blown away. Because God's like, all right. And you know, here's what God did. He put me in some situations this week that started squeezing me. That put me under heat. That put me under pressure. Because here's the thing. When God pressures your life, all of a sudden, what you don't think's there starts rising to the surface. When when your money flows like, good, oh, you praise Jesus, the money's great. No money, no job. Don't know where we're going to do. Health is great. Oh, everything's great. And I feel like I'm 20. And all of a sudden, you get a bad report. A little bit of squeezing takes place. All of a sudden, those times is what God uses to go, let me show you what's really holding you back. And And God squeezed some stuff out of me that made me sick to my stomach. But you know, here's what's the awesome thing. God carries us through that. He's like, you know what? You can't change this. I can. And I can use circumstances in your life. And I can use things that I'm going to do through my spirit. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to crucify you. You're going to die. You say, what? what? I'm not talking about physically. And there are some things you, you have decisions into where you can go, all right, Lord, whatever you got to do. You just have to decide if you're willing to do that. But here's the thing. See, so why in the world would the Lord put us through this? If you'll look at the next one, it said, blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This always threw me off. I got two minutes. I'm done. This always threw me off because when you back up to the first one, it said, no, you said, wait a second. Right here it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then you get to the end where a person is maturing. Like, now it says, there's the kingdom. Whose is the kingdom of heaven? Both. Because here's the thing. Once you come to the place where you die to you, and God purifies your heart, you ain't no longer thinking about you. You know what you're thinking about? You're thinking about heaven. You're thinking about that life. You're thinking about that world. You're thinking about the kingdom, even while you're living here. And that's when you're alive here more than any other time. Because when it says, blessed are the peacemakers, you know what it's talking about? It's not people who go around and go, I'm sorry, let's get along. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about in your marriage. 
What it's talking about is when you come to the place where God's done his work and he's carried you to the fire and he's removed all that, all those things that you were holding on to and your desires and your little kingdom and your little world and your little thoughts and everything about you and all of that stuff is gone. Tori, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, Lord, what do you want today? How do you want to use me today? God, what can I do for you? Because I ain't no longer focused on me. I'm dead. Put a tombstone on Randall Reeves. He's gone. My life, and, and there's a great joy in living for you. I'm not telling you I'm there. But, but here's the thing. A peacemaker is one who goes, the only focus I got in life is to carry the gospel of peace to these people who are in need of Jesus. Blessed are you for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Like I said, I realize most of the people sitting here today go, I didn't get that. Oh, well. One of these days you will get it. You keep following Jesus and you will get it. But here's the point. I'm going to sum this up right here. Okay, That's what happens when I don't write all my notes down. Here's the best illustration I can give you of it. How many of you here have been in the military? Military, raise your hand. Thank you all for your service. Okay, I know that's not Memorial Day, but, but here's the point. I used to look, you know, I'm fascinated by a Navy SEAL or a Marine or, or not, not saying if you're not one of them, but, but I've looked at the Navy SEALs and watched them. You know, one of the most fascinating things about a Navy SEAL is, or most, most military people, military branch, they're willing to give their life and they count it an honor. An honor. I'm like, you're telling me you're excited about jumping on top of a grenade. That makes no sense to me. Literally. I mean, if, if I was somewhere, and, and other, especially with folk I didn't know. You know, somebody pieced one out here, I, I'd probably think about it and go, all right, this is probably what I ought to do. But if I was somewhere, and, you know, I don't know folk, and they throw a grenade out in the news video, I'm going to be like, sorry about your look, and I'm running the other direction. But you take somebody who is a, a Navy SEAL. They'll willingly, most of them joyfully, give their life for the honor of their country. He said, something ain't right with that. There's a lot of people who God's trying to make you the Navy SEALs of the kingdom. Where when you come to the place to where you understand the depths of the love of Jesus... And what he's done for you so that you can be free. So that you can have life. So that you don't end up in hell. He's done all of that for you. When the weight of that registers with your heart and you know that, that's why you see people in other countries who are like, I'll joyfully give my life for the gospel. I'll sing while they're lighting the fire and they're burning me at the stake. I'll praise God while they're cutting my head off because I preach the gospel of Jesus. That don't make sense to me. It does if you it does if you know the Lord in the way that God's Spirit wants to bring you to that place where you go. Oh, I've seen people who do stuff like that. They've seen God. They've seen God. They didn't. They hadn't seen church. They hadn't got bored with a preacher going too long. But they've seen God. And blessed are they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't even know how to end this message today or how to give an invitation. But I just want to give some of you folks some encouragement. Because I do believe we got some Navy SEALs in this church. 
I believe we've got people in this church who are sold out to Jesus. You ain't here for yourself. You're not here for entertainment. You're not here for whoever's singing or preaching. You're not, you're not here to live the best life now. I think there's some of you, a few of you, who are like, I love the Lord. I'm willing to live for him, and I want him to carry me to that place where he gets more and more and more honor because he is worthy of any and everything he could do in and through my life. And if you're in that place and you're one of those people, make no mistake, you are going to go through hell on earth for him to get you to where he's carrying you. But he is faithful. He is good. His grace is sufficient. And in all that you go through, listen to me, in all that you go through, the devil can put you through it in any area of your life if God so allows. And I just want to encourage you, God hasn't forsaken you. He loves you beyond measure. And he's doing something great in your life. So that when you come to the other side of that, you're going to be like, it was worth it because I've seen the Lord. I hadn't seen anywhere in the scripture where those guys like, I saw God and it didn't do a whole lot to me. Basically, all said, nothing compares. They were willing to leave everything once they seen him. So I encourage you today, if the devil's carrying you through some things, or he's putting you through some things, know this, God's carrying you. And he's going to carry you. And he's going to purify your heart. And on the other side, you're going to be a testimony of the power of God in your life. Some of you already been there and done that. And God's going to, and, and, and if you'll finish up right there in that scripture, I know I went long today, get over it, I'm going to be gone for four weeks, okay? It's my last sentence. If you'll keep reading right there, it tells you the outcome, and it said, Blessed are you when people persecute you and revile you for my name's sake. Leap for joy, for great are your rewards in heaven. Leap for joy, for great are your rewards in heaven. You know, some of you might go through this life and go, I never had nothing. And I gave up a lot and I sacrificed and I suffered. What good was it? Oh, man. There's coming a day where all the toys and all the security and all the American dream and all this circus that we're living for is going to be a heap of ashes. And the ones who are like, I wanted to do whatever it took to honor the Lord in that day. Oh, what a day. What a day that's going to be for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm not selling you a circus ticket. What I am telling you is this. Kingdom business is serious. And if Jesus went through everything that he did in order to save us, hell is serious. Your eternity is is the most serious thing that you can consider. If you die without having repented and putting your faith and trust in Jesus and Him alone, following Jesus, trusting in His Word. I'm not talking about coming to church. If you don't know Jesus, you are without hope and you stand in the wrath of God. Very serious. But here's what's awesome. Jesus loves you made a way for you to receive mercy and forgiveness, give you life, totally transform everything in you so that when he does that, you're like, as crazy as it is, I want what that fool just told me about. 
I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to deny myself. You know why? Because he did all of that for me. And he's worthy. If you don't know Christ, that's the Christ I preach. That's the gospel the Bible presents. And God said, I'll give it to you if you'll turn to me. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. He'll save your soul today. He'll give you life. Because here's the thing. There is a mockery in a counterfeit Christianity that's dominating this country. Oh, but there's a faith. There's still a faith. And there's still a people who say, I love Jesus and I'm willing to live and die for him. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? <clears throat> Lord, I love you and I thank you so much, God, for loving us. Thank you for the, for the mercy you show us every day, God. Thank you that we don't get what we deserve. Thank you, God, that the blood that you shed for us on the cross, your word says, cleanses us from all of our sin. God, it's by your spirit we're raised to life. We're made the children of God. We're going to live forever. And I pray that 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 would settle in the heart. God, if we're a people that you gave your life for, so that we could be saved, so that we could live forever in your presence for your glory. God, why are we investing so much time in the temporary? Why are we willing to sacrifice so much for what rusts and rots and fades away? Yet we're unwilling to sacrifice so little for your glory. God, I pray you'd change our hearts. God, I pray that you would... uh, mercifully carry us where we're not willing to be walk ourselves. God, I pray that you would do something through this church body to bring us to a place where we're a people who are absolutely surrendered and sold out to the purpose of the gospel. God, that we would live each and every day trusting in you, surrender to you, looking to you, Lord, so this world can see and have a hope before it's forever too late. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.